0: Sunday's Law and Gospel, I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and as is our custom, we take a look at a reading for the coming Sunday, what with the resurrection of our Lord, he is risen, he is risen indeed, having taken place, we now enter into the season of Easter, having gone through the season of Epiphany and Lent. Well, the second Sunday of Easter, which will be April the 19th, has three readings. The gospel is John chapter 20. The epistle is 1 Peter 1. And the first reading normally is an Old Testament reading. But during the season of Easter, we have the first reading from the book of Acts. And this is going to be Acts chapter 5 beginning with verse 29. And I wanna read verse 29 because it makes it quite interesting during this coronavirus. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. You've probably heard that verse given by pastors who refused to stop having worship services, even though the government says, no, uh, people should be staying apart at least by six feet. And for example, here in uh, Missouri, we're only allowed to have groups of uh, 10 people. So my home congregation, St. Paul de Pear, it does give out the Lord's Supper but you need to phone ahead of time, and they give you the time uh, during either Saturday, Sunday, or Wednesday night to come in, and nine people come in, then the pastor's there, and he has a devotion, a prayer, and you receive the Lord's Supper. But not more than 10 people are in a huge sanctuary, Or they have other places, too, that they are doing it. So, are they using the verse that you must obey God rather than men for that? Well, let's take a look at that because the context tells us everything. It's Acts chapter 5 where the apostles are preaching about Jesus Christ. Now, Acts chapter 5 actually begins with the death of two people, uh, namely Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. They had sold property, said they were giving all the money to the church, but they kept some for themselves and lied to Peter. And Peter accuses them of lying To God and they both fell dead at his feet so verse 11 so great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things well verse 12 continues though that through the apostles uh, many were healed of their diseases uh, among the people and the people esteemed them highly but The leaders were not impressed. I'm talking about the leaders of the Sadducees, specifically mentioned in verse 17. And the high priest arose up, and those who were with him, namely part of the sect of the Sadducees, that was a a group who did not believe in a resurrection from the dead and had lax moral standards, but they were filled with indignation. And they put the, the apostles in prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, and they came out. And the next day, the high priest found out that they were again preaching about Christ. And so the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, And they were told in verse 25, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. So they brought the apostles in so they could talk to them. And they did not do it with violence because they feared the people, lest they should be stoned. And we're talking about the Pharisees and Sadducees being stoned. And they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, verse 28, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And it's at that point that the first reading for the second Sunday of Easter takes place. Peter says, We ought to obey God rather than men. Now, there are some pastors who are using this text to hold worship services uh, against what a governor may say in a state that you can't have more than 10 people in a gathering and this sort of thing. In fact, I understand that in one state where this was taking place, a congregation was meeting, the police came and wrote down the license plates of the people attending the worship service. Who knows what's going to happen to them after the pandemic subsides. And one pastor was even arrested because he was holding a worship service. Was it appropriate that they would use this verse, we must obey God rather than men, who tell us not to have a worship service? Well, I think they are misunderstanding that phrase because that phrase does refer to occasions when the government tells us not to preach about Jesus Christ. They're they're not against preaching. I mean, how many churches are now using technology to reach out to their people. There's this program called Zoom, although I tend not to use it because people can interrupt it and say terrible things on it because it's it's hard to keep people off Zoom, where everyone is looking at the pastor doing the worship service, and of course, they're listening to him on their computers. So nobody's in church except the pastor and in our situation also the organist and occasionally they'll have some hymns sung but the government isn't telling us that we cannot preach Jesus we just can't do it during this virus time lest we cause it to grow and I, th- I think that's uh, appropriate that we need to follow that. I drive for Uber and yesterday when I was driving, the first person I picked up was an individual going to one of our hospitals. Now I wear a mask uh, in the car, Uh, they sit in the back and we just pray to the Lord that they don't have any of the illness with them as I drove them to the hospital. In other words, We can still do our work, a lot of us, some from home, uh, some more carefully. Uh, One of the things I'm planning on doing, there's a grocery store that needs Uber drivers to take groceries to people. And Uber, I read what Uber had to say, you pick up the groceries, you go to the address, you leave the groceries at the door, ring the bell, and then leave. In fact, uh, my wife had made up uh, wonderful baskets of goodies for our grandchildren, and they're living here in town under my, uh, in the son's family and the daughter's family. And Sunday morning, after listening to the worship service, we ended up driving to their house. She took the baskets, went up to the front door, put the baskets down, rang the doorbell, and then went back to the car. And when they opened up the door and saw a lot, they were real happy and we waved to them and we left. Because we really don't know who might be carrying the virus because you can have it for some days. So in my situation, I'm not having that much change in my life except the sermons and other things I'm doing for the churches that I'm watching over uh, continues as they receive the sermons. So I would disagree that to use that verse to obey God rather than men means that we should hold worship services uh, during this coronavirus, because if you're doing that you're probably breaking the law. And in this case, I can understand that. So it's kind of like you're driving to church and there's a big fire uh, going on a block before you get to the church, maybe in a house. The fire engines are blocking the street. The police are not allowing you get to the parking lot of the church. Do you disobey the police? and go through the fire area? Of course not. So if, and and here's the bottom line, we must obey God rather than men. If men are telling us not to preach Christ and him crucified, then we disobey. Now we're really fortunate in the United States of America because we have free speech. For example, in Great Britain, A pastor has been arrested because he wrote a paper that homosexuality is a sin. And that's breaking some kind of law, putting homosexuals in a bad light. Well, I I wonder what they would do if Jesus were around, because he certainly spoke that that was a sin. He spoke about it in the Old Testament very clearly. Jesus speaks about it in Romans chapter one and in other passages of the New Testament because the Bible is God's word. It was written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit, which means when you read the Bible, God is talking to you. So if you'll recall Thursday and Friday's Law and Gospel, uh, we spoke about a practice that some churches are attempting to do where the pastor is on a video, maybe on Zoom or something like that, and he says the words of institution of the Lord's Supper, and people take the Lord's Supper. That is inappropriate. And the reason for that was explained not only by the president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, but by the Commission on Theology and Church Relations, Uh, that is a theological group in our synod that answers questions. They had already answered this in 2006, showing why it is inappropriate, and cast great doubt upon whether whether you're really receiving the Lord's Supper. And then, of course, the two seminaries came out in a lengthy paper showing that that should not be done. There needs to be a communal setting of the whole group with the pastor present for that to be a proper Lord's Supper. So yes, we're not permitted to take the Lord's Supper in homes. That's clear from the Bible, but some churches, like mine, St. Paul de Per, is working out a way in which people can phone ahead and receive the Lord's Supper privately. So once more, we are obeying God because uh, men are not telling us what we can't do in preaching Christ and offering the Lord's Supper but we can't do it under certain circumstances of large gatherings. So, Peter responds to the Sadducees, who once more brought them, the apostles, before the council. Verse 30 of Acts 5. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Now, that's how the crucifixion is spoken about in that day, that people were hanged on a tree. And that reminds us of the Old Testament passage, cursed are those who are hanged. Jesus was cursed by God. What? Well, remember his words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he had the sins of the world upon his shoulders but then peter remembers verse 31 him god that be the father has exalted to his right hand and that's of course talking about the ascension to be prince and savior to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, somebody may say, oh, only to Israel? Well, you need to remember that in that day, Israel included now both Jews and Gentiles. If you read Romans chapter 9, Paul explains how the new Israel is the holy Christian church. And so Jesus is given to be both in the ESV has a leader and savior. The King James says prince. The original Greek word means to be a chief leader and the one who leads and affords an example, a pioneer, so to speak, because he was the cause of all others being risen from the dead. And he's of course Savior. And that word is Soter, meaning one who delivers you from great danger. He saved you from eternal hell. And what? To give repentance to Israel. Now, what is that word repentance? It means a change of mind, a recognition that we fall short of the glory of God. So those Sadducees and the chief priests who were unbelievers did not recognize that work of Jesus, but therefore they also did not recognize the forgiveness of sins that peter talks about in verse 31 and peter continues verse 32 and we are witnesses of these things and sin and so is the holy spirit whom god has given to those now he says who obey him so once more, law and gospel is really important to understand that, because does that mean that you have to obey in the sense of follow him? Now, if Romans 13 says that the government leaders are to be obeyed, we're to give taxes to them, how does Peter say that the Holy Spirit has been given to us who obey him when they're not obeying those leaders. Well, the word obey in this context is simply a word talking about to listen to or to hearken to them. For example, uh, if I go out on a Friday night when I was a teenager, we're going to a dance and maybe get some pizza, My parents would say, uh, make sure you're home by 11 p.m. Well, if I decide I'm going to be out till 1 a.m., I'm not obeying them, which means I'm not listening to them. And that reminds us of the transfiguration, where Jesus is to be listened to. So the word obey in this context means to trust in God. And what are we trusting? We're not trusting we can obey the commandments. Uh, No, we all fail at that. We're trusting that we can believe the promises that God has given to us. And, And what's the one basic promise? The forgiveness of sins. Well, when the leaders of Judaism heard this, oh, they were really angry. And, boy, they were ready to probably stone them. And they took counsel to kill them, verse 33. But then one of the Pharisees named Gamaliel, who had respect of the people, he talked about that, look, men, there was a a, a fellow named Thutis who rose up claiming to be somebody. Now, we know about that. From Josephus, who mentions such a rebel active in the years 45 and 46 AD. And he was a rebel, and what happened? A number of men, about 400, joined him. Verse 36 He was slain, and all who obeyed, all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. And then he says, there was another man named Judas, and he was a similar kind of a a rebel. And he ended up during the time of Judea, uh, probably around AD 6, when Quirinius became imperial legate of Syria. And so he also died, and nothing came of him. Well, what's Gamaliel's point? He says, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. That's obviously a word from God that came to Gamaliel. And the men agreed with him. Now they did call the apostles, still beated them, and commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. And what did they do? Verse 41, they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I think that'd be a really important point if you're doing a sermon on this. Namely, what Gamaliel says in verse 39, but if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. You know, this coronavirus has come at an interesting time when technology is to a point where many people have computers and they can look at worship services conducted by their own pastor who's being videotaped in the sanctuary and sent over the computers. I'm working on a project right now For those who don't have computers that they'll be able to hear the sermon simply by phoning a number at no cost to them and as they listen to that they'll hear the sermon we can even do a bible study and we can talk with one another it's a conference type of call that we're working on so god has opened up many ways that the church continues it it doesn't stop like a lot of people think it should and that's not what the government is telling us if we can obey the laws of the government in not having large amount of people in one space and still preach the word then that is wonderful so If somebody asks you about, we must obey God rather than men, you now have an explanation how we do not believe that that really fits in our situation. So on tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll hopefully be with Mark Smith looking at the hymn of the day selected for the second Sunday of Easter. And what is that hymn? O sons and daughters of the King. It's just wonderful the way the hymn summarizes events that occurred after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, every Sunday is an Easter Sunday. I'm Tom Baker. Thank you for listening. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed.